are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Church, good morning. Thanks for that advice. I'll take that on board. Just Google it. Well, church, uh, I just, uh, this morning I want to talk very briefly, very shortly, because I have the attention span of a squirrel, so I'll probably jump off on different tangents and do something weird, but stick with me. Um, so this morning I want to talk about a subject that is super close to my heart, and a lot of people uh, kind of get that, that they see every week us doing worship here in church, and I want to talk about worship. I want to talk about uh, what worship uh, really means, and I want to look at a story in scripture that talks about worship and not just any type of worship it talks about worship in the face of adversity and i absolutely love that 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 overcoming spirit that whenever we decide to worship that god does something amazing in your situation in your circumstance so for those of you who maybe don't know me my name is ernie and i've been uh, heading up the worship and the youth in the church for this past year um about 11 months i've been here and uh, today, after service, I drive down to Edmonton, and uh, I get to fly home for four weeks. So I'm very, very, very thankful that the, uh, the leadership of the church has let me leave for about four weeks to spend some time at home uh, with my family and with my friends, just to rejuvenate and just spend time resting with my family. So I'm super excited about that, and it's, it's going to be an awesome time of just relaxing with friends. So, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so uh, worship for us, church, worship could mean so many different things to so many different people. And we all have our own experience, some good, some bad, of what worship actually is. But I think we can all agree that uh, worship is so much more than, than what we've done this morning. This is an amazing reflection and an amazing response to, to worship, is to sing songs of truth uh, of our God and how amazing he is. But we can all agree that it's a bit more than singing a few songs on a Sunday uh, before someone gets up and brings a message. That worship is actually our whole lifestyle. Worship encompasses every single part of our being. And worship, uh, if we look at worship, I, I love someone, someone said this before, I don't even know who it was, but they talked about worship uh, being about God's worth. And I think, I don't even know if it's true, you can be check this out, but it's, it actually translates as worth, God's worship. And I love that experience of whenever we're gathering together um, as a church, telling God of how worthy he is. That's just basically what worship is, telling God of his unbelievable worth. Yeah. Worship is the whole of our lives, and we all know that. It reflects how we handle our time, our relationships, and even our money, and it even affects the way that we think. The story I want to look at this morning, if you've got your Bibles, uh, go to Second Chronicles chapter 20. I think we've got it on the screen as well. And this story... This story's just been blowing my mind recently. I absolutely love it. Can you all understand me? Am I speaking too fast? I usually do speak too fast. Everyone's like, what? So I'll try and slow down a bit. This story has been completely blowing my mind recently. And it's, it's a story of, uh, like I said, worship um, in the face of adversity. Worship whenever things seem a bit crazy and you seem a bit, a bit overwhelmed at a circumstance. And this story, just while you're looking it up there in your scripture, this I'll give you a bit of a backdrop about what's going on here. This is, uh, this is the story about the people of Judah. And it's a story um, which involves a king 
And the king is a guy called Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old, and he always tried to do right in the sight of God. He loved the Lord with all his heart, with all his mind, and he always tried to do the right thing. For much of his reign, his duty was to keep the land of Judah from invasion. It was to, uh, to keep, keep it safe from opposition and to, uh, to, to keep the land rightfully his. And the story starts here in chapter 20, verse 1. We see this massive army in front of the people of Judah, and they're about to get completely slaughtered. And it's, it's gruesome, and it's gory, but I love it because the Bible is like that. It's, it's cool. So at chapter 20, verse 1, and I'll just read certain parts of it and stop and kind of have a wee chat about it. After the Moabites, there's a lot of ites in this, so if I pronounce them wrong, just forgive me. After the Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of the Mayanites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled to seek the help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations, and in your hand are power and might that none is able to withstand you. And I absolutely love that. That, that last part of that scripture is whenever it comes alive to me. You see them facing this, this massive army. It talks about they start... What was that? Is that a ship? Oh, wow. That was the army, yeah. I like that. So the, it starts with us seeing this, this massive army, but I love that last part of Scripture. And it's, uh, it, if you could just imagine looking out there and seeing this vast army in front of you, and you're probably thinking to yourself, man, it's not looking too good. There's a vast army in front of us, and this it could maybe be our last day. Here we could be uh, defeated in, in battle, and... Uh, we could be taken captive. It could be the end of freedom as we know it. But I absolutely love that part at the end. Whenever he says, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of nations. In your hand are power and might so that none will withstand you. And I, I love looking at that because it's just almost like uh, they, they began to find strength. They began to find hope and empowerment when they started to remind themselves of the promise of God that all power, all might is in the hand of God, that they began to feel this overwhelming courage and strength when they decided to focus on what Scripture actually said and told about how amazing God was. He's powerful, he's mighty, and everything belongs to the Lord. I just love that. Uh, moving on, I just can't help but thinking that maybe them guys might have felt just uh, very so slightly overwhelmed that this situation might have been too much for them. What, is he, what does Jehoshaphat do? He decides to lift his eyes up and worship and proclaim these amazing things. No one can withstand you. So as they began to worship, their whole perspective started to shift. It started to change. When they start telling God of his worth and of his greatness, your whole perspective starts to change. And I love that even this morning, that whenever you were doing worship there, man, there was a point in worship that... God just kind of really, really took over there and worshiped this morning. And it was kind of like, almost never, I don't know if words go or is, whenever you were leading, it's kind of like you were, 
and this is not of me, but this is a time whenever we begin to reflect on God and his greatness. And the, the atmosphere in the room just changes because people start giving all glory, all honor belong to you, God. And everyone just starts lifting their hands and telling God of his worth. And I absolutely love that. That worship and the way that we sing and the way that we proclaim lyrics and word have incredible power in our lives. You know, for some of us, sometimes life can absolutely knock the wind out of us. That life can knock us down. And there's maybe even people here this morning that, that have came into church and you're, you're feeling really down. You're feeling so kind of uh, uh, defeated almost. You may be feeling that this kind of story is uh, a story that it talks about uh, facing an army, facing a battle in life. But the amazing thing about this story is at the end of this story, there's incredible victory. And I want to encourage you, if you come in here this morning and you feel defeated about something, I don't even know what that might be. It could be anything. But if you're feeling slightly defeated this morning, let me tell you that the end result of this story is absolutely incredible. There's victory and there's hope that's found at the end of it. A thing that I've been looking at recently is that we need to learn how to properly rest and properly rely on God. Resting, resting in God is not ceasing from doing and just stopping whatever you're doing, but it's about relying on God and standing on victory and standing on the promises. We look at that last scripture there. All power and might are in your hand, God. They stand on a promise that God says he is. They're standing on the victory and the promise of what's proclaimed. We declare things like this every week in church. Even this morning, we sing songs. God, you're mighty to save. You can move mountains. You're our rock. You're our guide. You're our fortress. And we sing it every week. And we can be so flippant sometimes in the way that we speak and the way we say things. But understand, church, that there's massive power in your words and there's massive power in your worship. And you can actually change your circumstance this morning through a time of worship. It's incredible. Learn to obtain a biblical perspective on resting in God's promises. It will be the best thing you ever do. I heard this incredible quote a while back. I can't remember who it's from, but it is, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. And I absolutely love that. The, the time whenever you decide to hand everything over to God and just rest. Not ceasing from doing, but just relaxing and standing on the promises that God has claimed over you. That actually this cross that we focus our whole, uh, our whole religion on, our whole uh, lifestyle of worship on, that whatever God said in his word that everything has been purchased and everything has been uh, settled with at the cross, that he really, really meant that. That it's not just something that we sing to feel nice about. It's not something we proclaim every so often to feel good about ourselves. But this is real life. This is promises that God is claiming over you, his children, this morning. And I love that. I'm going to read on to verse 12 here. Jump across to that. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Your eyes are, <laughs> you keep your eyes focused on God. Keep your eyes on the prize. I love that. And you know what? I can spend, uh, I can spend so much time in that place myself, but that, that place of uh, not knowing what to do, that we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. 
And I've spent so much time in my life procrastinating about stuff and just being like, I don't know what to do here. I don't know how to handle this situation. Have you ever known not what not to do? Have you ever felt overwhelmed? There's a great song that I love. That's, uh, we might have sang it here a few times before, but it's, it's by a girl called Jen Johnson, a phenomenal singer-songwriter, worship leader. And the lyrics of this song are uh, just a quick, quick four lines of the first verse. It says, God, I look to you, I won't be overwhelmed. God, give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you, you're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom, because you know just what to do. And I was watching a bit of a video online about her telling how she wrote this song and how she got to this place of uh, being creative and, and writing this song to, to worship to God. And she was saying, whenever she wrote that first line, God, I look to you, I won't be overwhelmed. The very first line, whenever she first made her first kind of script out of this, the line was, God, I look to you, I feel so overwhelmed. Now, you can see a massive shift in the whole different meaning of the song when you change that one line, God, I look to you, I feel so overwhelmed. To God, I look to you, I won't be overwhelmed. There's a massive difference. Though you're standing in victory and you're proclaiming promises that God has said, I won't be overwhelmed. That's why I'm very selective sometimes in the stuff that I sing and the stuff that we pick to sing in church because I hate the fact of us living in a defeatist attitude in our worship. We need to be standing in victory this morning and if we don't proclaim it in our songs and in our worth to God, we're missing the whole point. Moving on quickly there to uh, verse 14. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehiel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benai, son of Yao, son of Mataniah, a Levite. And from what I read here, what Levites were at that time, they were, uh, they were priests who sought counsel and they uh, got an infilling from the Spirit and, and sought counsel from the Lord of the sons of Asaph, and in the midst of the assembly, and he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, the battle is God's. Wow, I absolutely love that. And you know, so many times we can run around, we, we think we've got to keep the world spinning, we feel like we've got to do it all by ourselves. And you know what, I really think that sometimes we definitely are naturally wired that way. God has, has made us that way that we like to fix things. We like to be natural fixers and go out of our way and stress out. We do it all the time. But I love that promise. That's one of my favorite promises in the Word of God today, that the battle is not yours. The battle is God's. So for those people who have came in here this morning with that defeated attitude, the battle's not yours. The battle is God's. You won't need to fight in this battle. You just need to stand firm. It says the victory will be won on your behalf. Believe it or not, this morning, church, God wants to completely blow you away with his love this morning. He wants to blow you away with how interested he is in the intricate details of your life, in the very simple things. God wants to be in and through all that stuff this morning. At verse 18, it goes on to say about the battle, and it says, Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, 
And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. And the Levites and the Kohanites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. You will be established, believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with his people, he appointed those to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. As he went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were rooted for the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting, devoting them to destruction. And when they, had, when they had made the end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying all over the ground. None had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers, goods, clothing, precious things, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days in total taking the spoil. It was so much. It's a bit of a, a, bit of a long passage, a bit of a long scripture, and there's a lot of content in that part. But this is the bit that I love so much. Imagine this whole scenario. Imagine you're standing before an army that's about to invade your land, this huge army. And what do they do first? They send out the worshipers. They send out the worship leaders. They send them to the front line of the battlefield. I don't know about you, but my, my heart for whenever I worship is that I want to be a frontline worshiper. I want to be a frontline worshiper that declares the promises that are in the word of God and not live in defeat. Why did they send the worship leaders out first? Why would they do that? There was power and authority when we declare our worship. I don't know if, if you could imagine, I probably couldn't imagine myself if we were in the same situation, sending our worship leaders out first. They could just imagine me and Gord. First of all, a wee bit out of shape. Just me, Gord, not you. You're a machine. Just, for, you know, at the front line, we're just kind of standing there and we start singing songs. We've got like our banjos and we're just kind of like, Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. I would at least try and send somebody out, like Lance or Andrew, manly men, who would at least give a slight glimpse of intimidation. Something like that. You just imagine them thinking to themselves, we're going to die here. So it kind of just, what, what, what the scripture goes on to say is that they, they're at the front line and they begin to declare something. And the thing that they declare is, is, a, is a phrase of worship that was, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And I can just kind of imagine it in myself, just let my imagination go wild with the whole thing, that they're kind of standing at the front line, this row of worship leaders, and they're just kind of like really, really timid and really shy, and they're kind of saying, give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever, expecting arrows to come and hit them, expecting them to be totally defeated. 
give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And they look out, and it's silence. No arrows coming their way. So they get a bit more confident and a bit more cocky, and they're kind of like, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And they begin to see the, the army in front of them start to turn in on themselves. They start to fight each other. Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. They had won the battle by doing nothing but worshiping. I love almost how that attitude, you just imagine it, a, a faith starting to build up in them when they start to see things change. They start to see the, the enemy fighting themselves and killing themselves. Faith starts to grow inside them. They begin to see their circumstance change and their perspective switch when they start to worship God. God had given the people of Judah one of the most epic victories in all of Scripture. They had done nothing apart from worship. Church, I want to leave you with, with one thought this morning. It's not a, not a very long message, but it's just it's something I want to share that's, that's, that I think is so, so important that we need to take on board every single time we come here, when we gather to worship, and we're involved in our different areas of ministry in this church body. We need to understand that worship is a weapon in the kingdom of God. Worship is a weapon of warfare. Worship is many things to many people, but worship is a weapon. When we begin to worship, we begin to see the enemy defeated. When we begin to worship, we see a circumstance change. When we worship, we begin to see the atmosphere shifting. Probably, walk, some, probably some people in this room, I haven't even got a clue about what you're going through this morning, but it might be very, very dark. And I can, I can say for myself, in the kind of the areas of ministry that I've been involved um, in, in the past years, and even at this church, even with some of the young people that, that we work with on a Friday night, some of these kids are going through some of the darkest stuff at the age of 13, 14, 15. And you're like, man, that, that shouldn't be going on. Like, they're, they're just kids. And it's a really, really dark situation, a really dark circumstance. And we all have those dark times in our lives. But church, I want you to understand that this morning, whenever you stand and you worship, that you're actually, you're changing situations. You're not just singing songs. You know, Scripture talks about how God inhabits the praises of his people. And that is an incredible truth, that this morning as we've worshipped, God has been here and God has inhabited his praise this morning. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is in our midst. I love the idea of us celebrating in victory. And the fact that we worship, we usher in the very, very presence of God into this place every week. It overtakes our daily circumstance, and it turns the situation upside down on its head. My prayer, my hope for you guys this morning is that you will stand in a place of victory this morning declaring some sort of worship to God. You know, maybe some of you guys this morning are dealing with an illness. And I know there's people in this church that, that, are, that are struggling with an illness. And it's been an ongoing battle in your life. I want to let you know that, that God has the final say on that. You, do, you don't have the final say on that. You can live in a, in a mindset of defeat all the time. But God has got the final say on that. You may not be able to put food on your table. You may not be able to survive in a town like Cold Lake, but you understand 
that God has the final say on your finances. Maybe depression. I know so many people nowadays that are affected with depression and just feeling so oppressed by something in their lives. God has the final say on that as well. When we begin to worship, we stand on the certainty and the truth of this whole thing. Would you guys come back up again and just, just play gently in the background? Church, let's all stand this morning. Father God, we, uh, God, we thank you for that word that has been spoken this morning, God. God, about standing in a place of victory, God. God, I pray over every single person in this room today, God, that they will begin to understand that freedom, that blessing, that victory comes from you and you alone, God. God, I thank you that we are in a daily battle every day, God, but that the end result is one that we win. At the end, we see a battle that has been completely defeated with nothing but worship. And we take that opportunity this morning, God. God, to give you our worth or to give you your worth this morning, God. We tell you of your greatness, God. We thank you for your love for us and how much you love us every single day. just as everyone's eyes are closed here this morning, is there someone here this morning that, man, you feel so defeated about something? You feel like you can't break through in a situation? I'll be the first to put my hand up and say, man, I feel that way a lot of times. I just want a chance this morning to, uh, to pray with some people and spend a bit of time doing that. I'm beginning to declare the truth and the promises that are in God's word over your life this morning and begin to see victory take place in your circumstance. We're going to continue to worship for a bit. If you want to come up to the front, I'd love to pray with you. We want to sing about God's love, how he loves us. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.